It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. And welcome to our opening week, Season 5 of This Week in the Big East. It's our weekly look at the teams, the coaches, the players, and all of the stories from the schools comprising the Big East Basketball Conference. I'm John Rook with Providence Journal Beat Writer, Basketball Times contributor, author Kevin McNamara. Good to be back with you again, Kevin. Wow, five years, John. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> well, we're not short on storylines coming into this one already. Villanova, of course, as we know, claimed a second national title in three years this past year, then lost four players to the NBA draft. And then after the first couple of weeks of conference play this season, who is it? That we see at the top of the Big East standings, the Cats is the only unbeaten team, 3-0 and after an early season showdown this week with St. John's. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you know, they, they, they lose four guys to the NBA draft, first round of the NBA draft, right. uh, but they still have Eric Paschal and Phil Booth, and uh, they, they've certainly showed up so, so far this season. They definitely have done that. Now, we've heard from media, we've heard from the coaches, we've heard from the players themselves that this season is wide open, or at least supposed to be wide open from top to bottom within the league. I mean, almost any team could even finish first or last or anywhere in between. So my question here is, do you still see it this way, even though Villanova's got the early pace, or do you have a team or two in mind that's likely to be on top in the next couple of months? Uh, I would be surprised if Villanova can keep going strong like this. Uh, This is the year where someone won't finish 15-3, 15-3, and 14-4. and four. I think that's really what, what we're looking at. Uh, to answer your question, I like Seton Hall and Marquette probably at that next cut. And St. John's has a really dynamic score in Shimori Ponds, and he's been outstanding so far this season. Well, before we completely let it all pass us by here, non-league play is almost wrapped up for the regular season, as many know. Big East is 94-31 and to this point. There's about five games left to play in 2019, some odd non-league games before you get to the postseason. 75% winning percentage for the Big East Conference. The league is joined by the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC as conferences winning 75% or more of their non-league games. Now, the thought was, was the Big East was maybe taking a little bit of a step back this year. At least that seems to be a national consensus that may not necessarily be the case well but i would agree with it you know if you look back at last year the biggies had two special teams in villanova and xavier both number one seeds in the ncaa tournament that, that's really hard to do mm-hmm. right now they don't have anything close to a number one seed uh but i think what they do have is like like we said that they have nine ten teams that are all good that they don't have any weak sisters and they have teams that once they get into the ncaa tournament no one's going to want to see Villanova, for example, no matter what seed they are. But they probably won't be in that one and two line like the last couple of years. But potentially five, six teams, and it's way early, so we don't really even know that, but you're talking about teams that would be seated down a little bit lower off the one or the two line. Yeah, I can still see five, six, you know, seven teams because there's an awful lot of teams in position. Uh, I will say that what's going to happen in the Big East this year is they will beat each other up. I know that teams, uh, coaches always fear that. We're already starting to see a little of that two weeks in. Well, John, how about the the one thing that jumps out at the first, you know, two weeks is there's been seven road wins already. You know, good teams protect their home court time and time again. And, uh, you know, seven road wins means anything can happen. All right. Well, so the headlines for this week include recognition for the St. John's Red Storm, who managed to go through non-league play at 12-0. and Shamari Pons was not only the Big East Player of the Week this past week, and we'll talk more about that coming up, but he was also named the National Player of the Week by the USBWA. 
Relative youth and new names are getting noticed at Georgetown, at Providence, and just about every other team in this league. But some familiar names like Marcus Howard at Marquette with a career high and Big East single-game record 53 points in an overtime win at Creighton on Wednesday. There's Phil Booth, Eric Paschal, you mentioned at Villanova, Pons at St. John's, Miles Powell at Seton Hall, Kamar Baldwin at Butler. They all rank among the Big East best entering league play. The Big East comes in at the number three spot in conference RPI, in case you're still following that metric. And there are six Big East teams ranked in the top 53 of the new net rankings this midweek. All right, so Kevin, let's pick up on the new net ranking system for just a second. Hmm. We're still not sure how the metric is calculated exactly. But based on the early returns that you've seen, do you think this is a more accurate way to go about determining who's good or perhaps even who's worthy for March? Well, I do think it's better than RPI. I think that's clear. But the NCA purposely has not put the actual calculation online. They just list teams one through 350. So uh, I don't know, I, I guess, is the easy question. And what's the easy answer? And what's interesting is I think the head coaches of the Big East, they say the same thing. They drafted their schedules with the RPI in mind because, as you know, these schedules are often done six months, a year in advance. And then they throw this NET uh, at them with all sorts of, you know, potential ramifications. And I think people just don't know what it's going to look like in March. All right. Well, we're going to find out anyway. The net ranking replacing the RPI is the primary metric for the first time in 37 years in college basketball. So I think we'll all be trying to get used to it as these numbers come out. And, and try not to panic. I think that would be the first thing. If you're a fan of a certain team that's in that 50, 60, 70 route, okay, uh, try not to panic. Let's see how it works out. Yeah, and, and very simple. Number of wins is huge. Winning on the road is huge. Uh, not losing to a bad team at home is huge. So not an awful lot changes on those, obviously, uh, home run metrics. Well, don't forget, if you have questions on your favorite team or any team in the Big East, send them to us every week here to use on the show. You can hit us up on Twitter with a hashtag TWITBE or This Week in the Big East. And don't forget to leave a comment if you download our podcast on iTunes. Stitcher and Google Play are also our podcast partners again this year, so you can listen in anytime and anywhere. Well, what is old is new again in the Big East this season. Well, the Villanova Wildcats won their second national title in three years last spring and took heavy hits over the summer with some big names moving on to the pros. Don't think for a minute that the Cats can't play. They've had adjustments to make this early season, and the young'uns may be catching on sooner than expected. Pardon the pun. Head coach Jay Wright fills us in on his reload on the main line. Coming up next, this week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. To walk these classrooms, these fields, these courts, is to walk in the footsteps of legends. Villanovans who have built a legacy of success, both in and out of the classroom. Bound by tradition, humility, and our commitment to each other, we are stronger together. We are fearless relentlessly pushing ourselves to victory we believe in nova nation and give ourselves to it totally even when no one is looking we are villanova and each of us strengthens all of us big east spotlight quinterly just checked in with a rebound here comes the freshman into the front court to the bucket left hand rolling on down how about that speed coming off the pines let it play, Coach Wright. <laughs> Give him some PT, baby. How about Quinterly? Well, the Cats 
cooking again. Is anyone really surprised? Yes, some big losses in the offseason, but Villanova has had younger players biding their time, ready to step into the breach when called upon, and two seniors who both hold national title game experience are leading the way. It's a kind of an interesting mix on the main line. And head coach Jay Wright joins us this week in the Big East. Jay, has it been harder than you thought to put everything together or easier to sort of assimilate your newbies with guys like Phil Booth and Eric Pascal? Uh, let, let's say it's been interesting, John. <laughs> it's, it's um, you know, we've we just been so blessed over the last five years to have, um, you know, juniors and seniors that help the the, the freshmen and sophomores come along, and um, just a, really just a unique um, chemistry for us this year with two great seniors and um, uh, a few sophomores that really haven't played that much, um, and then uh, you know a bunch of new guys. So it, it's just really been an interesting challenge. There's times uh, I, I'm, I'm really stimulated by it, and there's times I'm really frustrated, but it, it's all part of the season. Jay, I'm I'm curious which game, if there was one, in your non-conference where things started to turn a little bit. I, I think you get a lot of headlines for two home losses way, way back in November, and then you lose a Big Five game for the first time in uh, 62 years. Uh, but but then you go out to Kansas, and you know we've all been to Allen Fieldhouse, and to push the Jayhawks to the limit. Be honest with you, that that was the game that opened my eyes a little bit and said, well, that that Jay Wright guy's figuring figuring things out. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Kev. In in the pen loss, I think that woke our guys up a little bit. You know, you would have thought uh, Michigan and, and Furman might do that, but it didn't. You know, you're working with 18 and 22 year olds. You never know what's gonna. You never know what's gonna uh, light a fire under them. Um, but I think the pen loss kind of woke them up, and then. To go out to Kansas right after that, when we kind of looked like we were at our lowest, and Penn's a good team. It's kind of what our guys learned from from it that uh, as much success as we had in the past, one of the strengths of all those teams where they they respected everybody and they had a consistency in their effort in preparation. It, it just reminded our guys of that, and then. They put that together for Kansas. Felt good about the effort, but also realized we made mistakes that we had to we had to fix coming out of there. Sure, Jay. This team um, has seen a lot of different things over the course of the last three to five years, as you suggested. And so, even the new kids who are kind of figuring into your mix now probably kind of knew what was coming. But did you ever have a moment where any of these kids who are now stepping onto this stage? you thought might have a little stage fright? Might that have even happened a little bit earlier this year with some of the things that, uh, you know, K-Mac was talking about? And how did you handle that with them? Yeah, I, I think when when you, uh, when you've had some, uh, I, I, for us, when you've had some success, uh, I, I noticed the recruits come in and um, they just expect that that's just going to happen because mm-hmm. they put on the uniform. It's just, I, I think it's just human nature. And the recruits that you bring in usually have had a lot of success themselves, so they just assume, okay, I've I've always won. I've come to Villanova; they've always won, so it's going to happen. And they just don't. It's hard for them to understand uh, what it takes. You know, like I said earlier, losing to Michigan—I mean, not just losing, getting blown out. I even think a lot of those guys don't look at it like, oh, that was just a bad night. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to like we have a lot of work to do, <laughs> you know. And and so you just try to explain to them. You know, we have a saying: you play for those who came before you. It's not just out of re- it's not just out of respect for the history, but it's out of respect for what they did to how hard they worked to get the program where it is, and understanding that you've got to work as hard as they did. Uh, and, and that's really what you're playing for, is to, to live up to the standards of preparation, not results. Jay, uh, a 3-0 start, uh, have to come from behind to uh, beat DePaul at home, have to hold off Providence on the road after a really impressive start, and have to come from behind at home to beat St. John's. Is this what all of the Big East coaches are signing up for this season? <laughs> you know, I, I haven't uh, been able to get to see everybody yet, but uh, the, just last night, Kev, watching uh, you know watching Marquette at Creighton, man, just the incredible game. I, and you look at our game against Providence, we probably couldn't have shot or haven't shot the ball better in, in, in a first half, and they probably haven't shot the ball worse. It still comes down to one possession game at the end. I think this season in the Big East is going to be the craziest ever. And you look at that game last night, Marquette and, and Creighton. That, that was wild. Um, and uh, I think and our game, our game against St. John, was an unbelievable game of of swings where team one team would go on a run, then the next team would go on a run, and then the other team. Uh, I just think they're going to be wild games all year. It's funny, we're going to ask this uh, a few times today from the media point of view, but how from the coach point of view, when you have to prepare for someone like Shamari Pons, who you, you survived, uh, Marcus Howard, and even Miles Powell is is capable of you know, 35, you know, 40 points on a given night. It's It's going to cause uh, headaches for any head coach. Yeah, and you know, there aren't a lot. There aren't a lot of guys like that in the country. You know that you you play against a lot of um, you, you play against a, a lot of great players, but it, it, there's something really special about a guy that can get thirty, thirty-five in a game. Now you're talking about fifty. That's a whole other level. But it, it's it's not just talent. You know, it's a it's a killer mentality. Um, there's a lot of guys. You know, they get to like twenty, twenty-two. They either get tired or they don't have the the killer instinct to finish it, or maybe not the confidence to finish it. But three guys like that that could literally go for forty in the same league is unheard of, and um, it is really difficult to prepare for those guys. And what also makes them have the ability to do that is they've got good enough players around them that you can't really just go double them because they'll make plays for others, and the others are good enough to finish. Jay, you said that you haven't right yet seen everybody, but at the same time, from those of you have seen, anybody surprised you? Anybody jumped out? Team, player, coach, anything that you're thinking, hmm, that gives me something else to have to deal with now? You know, I, I just, I think we start every year with so much respect for everybody in, that, in this league that we, what, you know, I'll tell you what surprised me the most was when we got picked number one to start the season preseason. <laughs> yeah, right. That surprised me. It really did. Um, but I get it because I think everybody was um, unproven enough, um, and I never talked to the coaches about this. But my thought is they they looked at it like we looked at it that hey anybody can win this thing. So when we had to pick, I can't even remember who we picked to win it. Maybe Marquette, but you you have to pick your preseason poll. Uh, I know we had a really difficult time uh, in the past. I, I know we picked Xavier a couple times. 
it was very obvious, you know. And so I think everybody looked at it that way and said, hey, you know what? I, I don't know who to pick. We'll, we'll just we'll put Villain over there. We put him there in, in the other year. So we'll just put him there. Uh, so I, it, it's, it, it's the kind of year you knew St. John's had a chance to be this good. You knew people were kind of count, counting Seton Hall out, and you knew it wasn't going to be that way. They had too many tough defenders returning. You know Creighton's always going to come up with scores. You knew Marquette was going to be good. Not, not really a lot of surprises. Villanova head coach Jay Wright. Well, who's hot? Hot hands come tournament time. Can be a good thing for any team to have. The lineup of the hottest hands comes up next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Xavier University. It's a place where learning extends beyond the classroom. Where students learn more by doing more and discover new truths about their world and themselves. Where passion meets purpose. Where students blend mission and meaning and live lives that truly matter. That's the Xavier way. Learn more about what a Xavier education can do for you at xavier.edu. Who's hot? Yes, he will again. And he scores again. Jamari Pond, two for two from three-point land. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Big East Player of the Week this week, Shamari Pons, who was also the National Player of the Week by the United States Basketball Writers Association. We mentioned that a little bit earlier, Kevin. And, uh, you know, Shamari's the kind of guy, though, that not only St. John's, but the conference can really get early notoriety with. And all this guy has done has been to uh, basically set pace for a team that's finally cracked its way into the top 25. I call him the Isaiah Thomas of college basketball. He looks like Isaiah Thomas. He can score like Isaiah Thomas. This is the modern-day Isaiah Thomas, not Zeke from Detroit from way back. He had 37 points, 6 assists, 4 steals uh, in an overtime win at Georgetown, 26 more against Marquette. St. John's was in excellent position to spring the upset at Villanova. Uh, Pons was held to 23. That's like a good night for a defense when they keep Shamari Pons under control. Uh, the Big East Freshman of the Week this week had a big hand as well in that uh, Marquette overtime win uh, at Creighton. Uh, Joey Hauser, uh, 16.5 points, 5 rebounds, and the two wins in two games for uh, Marquette on the week, uh, had 18 points in a win over Xavier by 18 points. So Joey along with Brother Sam, that's a heck of a 1-2 combo punch for the Golden Eagles. John, how about being the high school coach of the rival of Stevens Point, Wisconsin, when Joey and Sam Hauser walk in the gym. Wow, good luck. It's no shock that they they piled up the Wisconsin State titles. I, no shock at all. And and I would also tell you that uh, Joey Hauser's name is probably one you'll need to begin to get familiar with because I have a feeling we'll be talking about him a lot this year. Well, I love his size. You know, he's a legit 6'9". He's not a skinny 6'9". He looks like his brother Sam, who's two years older and uh, maybe on his way to the NBA. Both really good prospects. The Big East honor roll is full of familiar names as well, especially if you follow another program. Kamar Baldwin of Butler, 22.5 points, 7 rebounds, 5 and a half assists in a one in one week for uh, uh, the Bulldogs. Uh, Martin Crample from Creighton had a uh, great game, uh, a double double uh, against Providence uh, and against Butler as well. So he's averaging eight and a half rebounds uh, overall, at least over the last couple of weeks. Here's a name that hasn't been quite as familiar to some that I think you should probably 
begin to start familiarizing yourself because Jay Wright was talking about this a little bit earlier, but Georgetown's young guys, and a part of this is a fifth-year senior in transfer Greg Malinowski, who seems to have no limit to his long-distance range. Georgetown's a really intriguing team because you look at you're like, well, who's on Georgetown this year? Well, Jesse Govan jumps out right away. You know, he's been there a long time, one of the best big guys in the league, senior. Uh, the, the true recruit Knicks know that uh, you know some really good freshmen led by James Akinjo, who might be the best freshman in the league as might we be. speak. But Malinowski, with his shooting ability, that was a item that. Georgetown really lacked last year, and he's transferred from William and Mary. He looks very sharp. 19.5 points for the week. And then two names to round up the honor roll this week that I know you're familiar with. Miles Powell, Seton Hall, Phil Booth, Villanova. I think those guys will probably be in the mix, certainly for their own teams, but amongst everybody in the Big East probably every week. First team, all the guys. guys. Right, yeah. And, you know, the, the one guy you mentioned before, John, who, who I have to follow up on, if you're going to root for anyone in the, in the uh, Big East this year, Martin Crample is right there, you know. It, Three ACL injuries, and just think back to last year, through seven games in the Big East, he looked as good as any big guy in the league. And uh, you know, obviously, was lost for the bulk of the Big East season. You know, Creighton is an, uh, known for their shooting because everybody seems like on the team can shoot it. But to me, Crumple is the big difference that has helped make Creighton more of a potential contender this year because he really solidifies the middle. And you've got to guard the guy; he is in that mix. I know that they probably don't run specific plays for him, but he's so active around the basket with his offensive putback capabilities, and he can put the ball on the floor and spin. Good foot quickness. It's amazing he's been able to rehab the way he has and come back as effectively as. He has. Perfect big guy for Greg McDermott's system. A true face face up big guy can step outside, shoot the ball, and defensively he's a problem around the rim. Hey, other performances of note this week. Uh, we kind of touched on it briefly, but how about fifty three from Marcus Howard? And by the way, he's going to join us coming up in just a few minutes. I like our timing. <laughs> Pretty. Well, anytime somebody drops fifty three on your head, I think you need to probably talk to him. Right? I agree. They're, they're, I'm sure we're not the only. People looking for Marcus Howard, and we're happy to have him on. How about Xavier on Wednesday night coming from 17 down to beat Georgetown as well? Good performance for the Musketeers in a season that's been a little uneven for them thus far. Watch the game closely because uh, you know I was interested in, in Georgetown. Xavier is a team that truly hasn't come together yet. Very, very disparate parts right now. And, uh, you know, new coach. Just everything is new out there in Cincinnati. But the one thing that's uh, consistent is they play very, very hard. Let me also uh, take a, a moment to mention Seton Hall again. Jay Wright mentioned it just a short while ago, but Seton Hall has been a pleasant surprise. They uh, beat Butler and started 3-1 and one in conference play. So the Pirates may not be going anywhere this year. Very different team. Obviously, we think about the uh, firepower, senior firepower that they lost off last year's team. So you're going to have to buy a program when you show up to the Rock. But uh, Miles Powell is as dynamic a scorer as there is in the league. Uh, he had 31 in the win over Butler. Uh, and Ma- Mamu, is that what we're going yeah. to call the yeah, new guy? Yeah, Ma- Mamu's good. Okay. Mamu's Mamu Kalashvili, but yeah, it's Mamu. He really helps them. He, he and Torian Thompson, the transfer from Syracuse, gives Kevin Willard some really quality size around the rim. Well, it's never too soon to start thinking tourney. In the 40th season of Big East basketball, the 37th consecutive year, the Big East men's basketball tournament will be played in New York City. It'll be March 13th through 16th, the world's most famous arena, the mecca of college basketball, Madison Square Garden. You can be there. Don't miss your chance to go. It's real easy. Go to BigEast.com slash MBB tickets for tickets and information. 
Well, we've talked a little about the net. We've talked a little, some non-league success, and now it's just dog-eat-dog within the Big East arenas. But one of the guys that's out there doing it for his Golden Eagles lit up Creighton in a huge overtime win this week. It's junior guard Marcus Howard. He joins us next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. If you want to make a difference, you need to be the difference. At Marquette University, we don't stop the pursuit of our mission ever. We research, study, test our theories, and practice our faith. We are men and women for and with others. It's excellence in the classroom, in the community, in our fields, and on the court. We do it because we're problem solvers, innovators, and fearless leaders. We do it because it's who we are. Marquette University, be the difference. Big East Focus. 76-70, Howard, got it! You have got to be kidding me. Shot clock at five, Howard, got it! Five in a row for Howard to begin overtime. Howard, step back three again, and again! He throws it! He's got 50! Welcome back this week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. We've already sp- talked a little bit, Kevin, about some of the big names in the league this year. The names might not be as familiar as they have been in years past, but there's one guy who this week who turned it on again and showed that you know, this league is not without star power. That's Marquette junior guard Marcus Howard who joins us this week in the Big East. Marcus, all you did was uh, hit 50. That's all you did. You went for 53 in a road win at, uh, at Creighton. First of all, congratulations. Second of all, we just kind of wondered if you've cooled off yet you guys i appreciate it and yeah um you know just coming back to this milwaukee weather where it's really cold um you know it's really easy to you know um kind of suppress to the weather so yeah it's about 18 degrees now so yeah i'm all i'm all cold and stuff so <laughs> well the shooting touch marquette fans will hope stays the same so when you get into a game like that and we saw you when you hit 52 last year against providence when you know you have it is there a point in time in the game and you're like Guys, you got to get me the ball. I'm feeling it right now. Um, you know, I'm just just as a player, I wanted to do whatever the game presented itself. But um, you know, I have great teammates and a great coaching staff that you know kind of noticed it as well, and they were um, you know willing to do whatever they had to do, whether it was uh, give me the ball to make a play or just me taking it upon myself to you know try and attack the defense. So um, I give a lot of credit to them in terms of just you know trusting me and my abilities, and then uh, them just being okay with me doing what I do. Marcus, I'm curious if maybe the day before, the day of a game, you look at the scout and you see a team like Creighton, which which loves to do what you do, you know, run up and down and shoot threes. Yeah. Do, do you get, you know, a little extra juice saying, wow, th- this could be a game where, where we could get, you know, 90 points. And, uh, you know, you're a guy who this season has already had nights of 37, 45, 45, and 53. Did, can you see it coming, maybe? Um. Not really. I mean, you just never really know what to expect going into a game like that. I mean, um, Creighton's an unbelievable team. You know, Coach McDermott does a great job with this team. Um, you know, they're they're excellent, you know, what they do. I mean, they're one of, if not the best offensive teams in the country, and they proved that last night. I mean, with just how they get up and down in transition, um, how much movement they have in their offense. I mean, it's really tough to guard. Um, but a game like that, you know, we have to uh, try and lock in on the things we need to lock in on in terms of, you know, trying to defend them as best as we can. And I think we did that when it mattered uh, towards the end of the game as well as in overtime. Well, for those that aren't aware of the 53 points, Big East uh, single-game record, it's the most against Division One competition in the country so far this year. But was there a bigger shot, Marcus, than the one your teammate Sam Hauser hit to tie it and send the game into overtime on Wednesday? No, not at all. I mean, Sam, I mean, that was an unbelievable shot. Um, 
you know, kind of kind of being with Sam for three years now, um, him shooting a shot like that, it kind of doesn't really surprise me. I mean, just going back to all we do in practice, you know, in terms of uh, game situations, you know, kind of last-second shots because you never know what the game is going to present itself. So um, just practicing that stuff in practice. And, you know, Sam's always the one at the end of practice, you know, hit a shot at the buzzer or hit a tough shot at the end of the clock. So, I mean, you know, for him to have a shot like that and to, you know, for it to go in, I mean, that's something that we've seen so much in practice. You know, teams, an opposing teams going against them get just really mad with how he just knocks those shots down. But, um, you know, I'm so blessed and fortunate that we were able to have him on our team last night, and it was an unbelievable play by him. Well, you know, I was just going to ask, I'm sure you guys practice that a lot and you have to go to the last-second situations because all teams have that in their repertoire, but we've been yeah. looking and looking and looking at that videotape, and you still can't definitively say. I'm not but, saying that it was the right or the wrong call, but, man, it, I don't think there's ever been a closer call to make than that one last night. So, uh, yeah. remarkable. It gave you a chance to keep playing. Yeah, I mean, personally, I mean, I- I'm going to say it was a clean shot. Without a question, you <laughs> well, we're really surprised by that, Marcus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you no, know, I mean, but uh, no, I mean, Sam, an unbelievable play. You know, just the conscience he had in that time to you know just catch it and shoot it, and for him to have the clutch factor in him to make that shot was unbelievable. I mean, that was that was honestly the biggest takeaway from the game I took was you know just him having that that ability just to make that shot was unbelievable. Marcus made 10 threes on his way to 53, and John, they had uh, 15 for for, a, uh, for the team last night. Marcus, I'm curious, can you tell people about your team and how it's maybe different than your first two seasons at Marquette? Yeah, I mean, this team is unbelievably special. I mean, we're a close-knit group. Um, a great part of that, doing to our coaching staff, you know, just um, having us do things out of that are out of our comfort zone that, you know, get us closer as a team. Um you know, on the court we're extremely close, but off the court I think is really what separates us is just how close knit we are. We're always around each other, um, really getting to know each other. So I think that leads to how we play on the court. And you know, I think this year we've taken a real initiative on the defensive end. I think we've gotten a lot better in terms of our improvement. And you know, my first two years, um, we we could really attack teams with our offense. But I felt that um, this year with the personnel that we have, we're able to you know switch it up and show people that we can really defend. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I think if you asked a common fan, probably a let's say a Marquette fan, what the weak spot was for Marquette, it'd be probably from the defensive end. But you guys seem bound and determined to shore up that side that side of it. And on top of that, now that you know Villanova's won two of the last three national titles, you guys at least through the first half of the season have kind of carried the mantle for the Big East. How do you balance those two things? A getting better yourself, but B knowing that expectations are increasing. Yeah, um, you know, we like to make sure that we're we as a program are worrying about the things we can control, and that's just us getting better each and every day. Um, that's just what we try to focus on, and know that the rest will take care of itself. I mean, our coaches do a great job of you know just keeping everything in house in terms of just you know helping us focus on just us as a team and getting better. So we don't really pay attention to the outside expectations or anything. Um, we just focus on us as a team and what we can do each and every day to be the best basketball team we can be. Marcus, I'm curious if, if practice is more physical because I just look at your team and you added uh, Joe Chart, you know, Chartuni, who's you know, 200, 205 pounds, really physical guard. Uh, Ed Morrow, the transfer from Nebraska, is you know, 235, 240. Uh, Theo John, I don't think anyone wants to deal with him in a, in a dark <laughs> alley. Uh, it, it's got to be very physical uh, you know, practices for you guys. Oh, definitely. I mean, um, we compete each and every day, man. I mean, it's it's like a it's like a war out there when we compete. So um, you know, just being able to have guys that you're able to compete with on a daily basis to get you better is really great. I mean, um, I'm privileged. You know, like you mentioned, Joseph, 
um, you know, push me every day. But also, too, I mean, a guy that doesn't get seen um, on the court but we'll be playing next year is Kobe McEwen, uh, our transfer from Utah State. And he's not only helped me as a player, you know, raise my level of competition, but he's helped our whole program. You know, he's been a real real big part of um, how we've been able to have such success in terms of preparing. Um, he's usually the best player on the other team and scout team, so he helps us prepare extremely well. And then also just his um, his energy that he brings each and every day really helps us raise our level of competition. So, um, But, yeah, no, those other guys you mentioned in terms of their physicality, I mean, has really helped our team. And I think a number of guys have really stepped up this year in terms of, you know, playing physical and making their presence felt. Well, he's repping his home state of Arizona. He's certainly repping for everybody in Marquette and, and around the Milwaukee uh, community in Wisconsin as well. Marcus Howard had an unbelievable night this week at Creighton, and he's looking forward to many more unbelievable nights as the Golden Eagles try to set the pace in the Big East. Marcus, thanks for a little time today. Good luck to you. We'll look forward to watching you play next time. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate your time. Marquette's Marcus Howard. Coming up next, we jump into all things national, but with a distinct Big East twinge to it. The one and only Andy Katz joins us this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. Every day, the NCAA is working across campuses to keep college athletes safe by committing research and resources to their physical and mental health. Physical and mental health includes, but is not limited to, education, research initiatives and new policies on concussion, promoting best practices around cardiac health, sexual violence prevention and education, mental health resources and training, alcohol and other drug abuse prevention, guidance on nutrition, sleep and performance, creating safety guidelines for all NCAA sports, support of the American Development Model to prevent overuse injuries. And that's just what we could fit within 30 seconds. Visit NCAA.org slash well-being to learn more. National Perspective. Boom. What's the dial it up? There it is. Well, this game is special, Gus. Well, we mentioned earlier that to some it might be a surprise that Villanova is right back in the mix, but to others, who follow the Wildcats and Jay Wright, well, maybe not so much. But beware of Marquette, St. John's, and maybe just about everybody else in the Big East, which will only add to the drama that should be unfolding over the next several weeks. College Hoop writer, broadcaster Andy Katz, NCAA.com, Fox Sports. He joins us here this week in the Big East. Andy, at first here, any thoughts to a possible successor to Villanova's reign, or are the Kings not dead yet in your estimation? Still has to go through Villanova. You know, I think they made a, quite a statement when they knocked off St. John's or held off St. John's at home. Uh, their win over Providence on the road was significant. Now, I think we have to obviously put in check that Providence, you know, didn't have A.J. Reeves, doesn't have him right now, and they're not the same team. But, um, you know, there's a collection of teams that are going to try to knock off Villanova but haven't done so yet, and we're still early in the Big East. But it's, it's Marquette, it's St. John's, and it might be Seton Hall, although they just fell to the ball. So it's going to be very difficult to knock Villanova off that perch. Andy, I'm curious what you think about St. John's because it's funny. Uh, they come out of the shoot undefeated for basically you know the first two months of the season, and an awful lot of people still don't believe. Uh, they go on the road. Uh, first of all, they have an excellent win over Marquette, and then they go on the road and push Villanova right to the fin- right, right to the final horn. W- what's your spin on, on on the Red Storm? You know, I I was skeptical at the beginning because their schedule was incredibly weak, um, and they actually. You know, if you remember, I think it was Cal, a game in the New York area, I think it was in Brooklyn, you know, one of the worst teams in the Pac-12, and I think they had to go either to overtime or toward the late possession to beat them. And so I was skeptical. And then, uh, you know, their game against Seton Hall, where they arguably think they should have won, maybe they should have, it was that 
you know, inadvertent whistle at the end where they got the deflection and Seton Hall had a chance to win it, and they did on a Shavar Reynolds uh, three-pointer. But, you know, I was impressed with what they did in the week after that where they absolutely destroyed Marquette at home and then beat Georgetown on the road in a rivalry game in overtime. Uh, and then they were right there with Villanova. So I, I think that if you watch St. John's, you have to believe in them. Are they a team that can, you know, win the league for sure? Can they get to the Sweet 16? I don't know yet. But they definitely are an NCAA tournament team. That for sure is true. And that would be certainly crossing a threshold to this program if they have at least done that. And if you could go a little bit further, you you talked about a couple of the teams there a couple of moments ago, but through non-conference play, anybody that stood out to you as a potential uh, either surprise or let's just say uh, somebody that um, you might not have thought much of going into the season that you think still could be a factor, uh, figuring out nationally and maybe even for the tournament coming up in March that uh, is starting to show itself a bit? Hey, you talking in the Big East, right? Yes, within the league, yep. Yeah, no, it has to be Seton Hall. Uh, Seton Hall, you know, picked toward the bottom of the league. Uh, I've done, I did a bunch of their games early this season. Miles Powell, where, you know, you know, he was the, essentially the fourth option last season. And you don't always, you know, it doesn't always translate where you can then suddenly flip to the first option. Uh, and he's done it exceptionally well. You know, they could have beaten Louisville. They didn't play well early. But that's okay. They were still figuring things out when they lost at home to St. Louis and then got kind of drilled in Nebraska. But since then, you know, they beat Kentucky. They beat Maryland on the road. Uh, they have the win over St. John. Um, you know, did not play well in DePaul, uh, but they almost still came back and won it. But I, I do think Seton Hall is an NCAA tournament team, which is certainly better than I think was projected. And I think they have a chance to finish somewhere in the top three. Andy, as a former ink-stained wretch like myself, and I guess still to some degree, uh, you now have the uh, honor and privilege to show up and call games as an analyst. Uh, I can't imagine the excitement when you walk into a gym and you know you're going to call a game with one of the or, or any of these three players. One you just mentioned is is Miles Powell. The other is Shamari Pons, who we touched on. And how about Marcus Howard? You just don't know what he's going to do on a given night. Like he might get, you know, 50, 53. Pretty impressive. Yeah, it really is unbelievable because, you know, when I've interviewed Marcus Howard, I'm pretty sure I'm taller than him, and I'm six <laughs> one. Uh, and yet, you know, uh, so I'm going to say he's probably, he may be listed around there, but I think he's probably, um, you know, in the 5'11 range maybe. But, uh, you know, his ability to get his shot off, uh, and just to just score in bunches, it's phenomenal. I mean, 45 against Kansas State, 45 against Buffalo, 53 on the road at Creighton in an epic overtime win. Last year at 52, you guys saw at Providence. Uh, you know, what? whatever happens in the NBA, or can he get there, can he get that shot off in the league, I don't know. Uh, but I do know that he's a phenomenal college basketball player, and he's definitely – a candidate for Big East Player of the Year and for National Player of the Year. I don't think there's any question about that. Andy Katz from NCAA.com and Fox Sports joining us this week in the Big East. So now we've got some established stars sort of getting their footing back within the conference. Who have you noticed at least through the first half through non-conference and the early portion of the conference season that isn't a household name like a Marcus Howard that 
potentially has, uh, well, let's just say potential, potentially has potential uh, to become one of those household names in fairly short order? I would say the freshman class, Sinjo, McClug, I think there's a lot of potential at Georgetown. Yep. Um, and I know they've been erratic this season, but you know, I definitely think there's a lot of potential there. Obviously, Tyshawn Alexander at Creighton, you know, we saw him when we were at that Providence game. Uh, that was maybe his best game. Uh, Mitchell Ballack had a better game for them that game. But still, um, I think he could be a rising star in the Big East. And, you know, Creighton actually and Georgetown, you could argue, maybe are a year away from being a top four or five Big East team. Andy, put on your national hat a little bit to transition away from the Big East. Uh, uh, John and I have spoken about it already on the show here. The Big East doesn't have a top five team like they've had in the last couple of years. But maybe there's only four or five clear top five teams. You know, Duke, Michigan, Tennessee, and Virginia have stood out out of the chute. Uh, behind them, do you see a big scramble? Or do you see those teams, you know, being able to hang up there all season? I'm going to extend that list a little. Yep. I'm going to include Michigan State. I'm going to include Gonzaga, especially now that they're healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I so I would go out to about six right there. Mm-hmm. And then after that, um, you know, Kansas doesn't have uh, Yudoka Spooky anymore, but yeah. they got Dietrich Lawson, so they're sort of on that fringe. Maybe Nevada. Maybe Nevada. I was going to say that Nevada and North Carolina are the other teams that I would put right there on that fringe, where I think that they could they could definitely also get to the Final Four. And then, of course, there's going to be some team that we're not thinking about. There always is, usually. So where would you stack, then, uh, the Big East best in terms of Villanova, Marquette, maybe even St. John's as well? Those are the three teams that have kind of popped up into the rankings. And uh, whether or not, um, you know, these are teams that potentially can go deep, uh, you know, once the uh, postseason arrives. So, you know, in a worst-case scenario, I think the Big East gets four in. In a best-case, six again. For me, I would say I don't see a Final Four team, but I could see multiple Sweet 16 teams. And, you know, obviously if you get there, you never know what's going to happen in that weekend. Right. But, you know, they're, they're going to be basically – and the Big Ten is like that too. I mean, the Big Ten, which could get 10 teams in, has two elite teams in Michigan, Michigan State, and then they're going to have a lot of teams in that, like, you know, 6 to 10 seed range. And I think the Big East is going to be probably – its cluster teams are going to be in that range as well. He's Andy Katz, NCAA.com. Follow his stuff there. Watch him on Fox Sports as well. Hey, Andy, we'll see you on the trail very, very soon, I'm sure. All right, thanks, guys. Who's got next? Well, we'll toss it up for you, and that's coming up. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. As one of the country's leading Catholic universities, Seton Hall has been shaping students in mind, heart, and spirit since 1856. Today, the hall is home to nearly 10,000 students taught by world-class faculty. Our professors shine in the classroom, sharing their expertise with bright young minds who are hungry to learn. And as a member of the Big East, our student-athletes compete in one of the nation's top athletic conferences. Whether on the court or in the classroom, our students learn by doing. This is Seton Hall's moment. Be part of it. Who's got next? Howard ties his career high with 52. He doesn't miss from there, huh? New career high and a new Big East record, 53. John Rook, Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. What is coming up for next week? Let's start with a Saturday matchup. Providence playing Georgetown at Georgetown. First road trip for the Friars, and the Friars 
got a little bumpy start to, to their uh, Big East schedule, losing two tough ones at home. You, you cannot lose home games in the Big East and survive for very long, and the Friars lost to both Creighton and Villanova, and more alarmingly, just did not play well, John. Uh, we've seen Providence all season long, and they've had some ups and downs throughout their year. It's time to get off the mat and be counted, and at Georgetown Saturday is an opportunity for the Friars. On Sunday, there's a doubleheader going on. Butler's playing at Xavier. Villanova gets to play Creighton in Omaha. Should be some 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 entertainment going on. Well, it's interesting about Creighton-Villanova. Greg McDermott has said this year, he said, you know, the Big East is so wide open this year that every game you think you can win and you think you can lose. You know, it's that even and that wide open. So everyone can't wait for Villanova to walk into their gym and try to take down the national champions, and this will be Creighton's chance. want to pull out a couple of games from the upcoming week schedule, Kev. Starting with a Tuesday night game, Seton Hall gets a real test. They have to go on the road and play a Providence team that may be really angry or may feel like they're back in the mix. Well, Providence will either be 1-2 and two or 0-3 oh right. with another home game. Uh, and really need to step up and be counted there at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. And, you know, again, Miles Powell, tough, tough guy to handle for Ed Cooley and crew. Also have a rare Friday night encounter as Xavier goes to Philadelphia. We'll play at the Wells Fargo Center against Villanova. A few uh, Friday marquee games the Big East uh, schedule makers have thrown at us this year, and this is a matchup of two teams that were number one seeds in last year's NCAA tournament, Xavier at Villanova, uh, re- really a key game probably more for Villanova because they're at home. Xavier, as we said, is a team that it's, I'd say maybe tougher to figure out than anyone in the league right now. Well, don't forget, if you've got a question on Big East basketball, a team, a coach, a player, whatever, hit us up on Twitter with a hashtag T-W-I-T-B-E, TWITB, and I do have one this week from Rookie who says, is Marquette's defense actually good based on the eye test, or has it been good based on caliber of opponent? Well, caliber of opponent, they've played as rugged a non-conference schedule as anyone in the league, so uh, I certainly wouldn't cast any aspersions on their non-conference schedule. I think they're more physical, John. They're better around the rim, and I think they're more experienced, and more experienced teams usually do play better defense. Once again, hashtag TWITBE, T-W-I-T-B-E, for this week in the Big East. If you've got questions on Big East basketball, Kevin and I are happy to take them from you every week for the show. And don't forget, if you're still looking for more Big East hoop news, you can tune in each week live with Big East Shootaround. Now, it's available on the Big East Facebook page, at Big East on Twitter, and the Fox Sports Go app. And the Shootaround features coaches and player interviews from around the league every week. So send your questions. You can send your hot takes via social media as well. Hashtag B-E Shooter around so you can be featured on that show too we're all encompassing here video radio audio podcast whatever it may be we want you to take part our thanks to villanova's jay wright marcus howard from marquette and ncaa.com and fox sports analyst andy katz for joining us this week our thanks also go out to the flagship stations at st john's fox sports properties at georgetown and villanova sports properties for their assistance in providing some of the sound that brings us all a bit closer to those big moments in these big games our thanks to producer kevin collins and to the coaches and administrators at all 10 big east member institutions for kevin mcnamara i'm john rook and again if you like what you hear let us know leave a review on itunes hit us up on twitter i'm at jr broadcaster he's at kevin mcnamara 33 on twitter hit us up with questions and retweets and we'll be back same time next week for you this week in the big east thanks for listening to this week in the big east special thanks to our member schools butler creighton depaul georgetown marquette 
Providence, St. John's, Seton Hall, Villanova, and Xavier, as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.